You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency way. Hey, Miles here from Level, and I am proud to be your podcast host. In every episode of Test, Learn, Grow, I'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Test, Learn, Grow. Today, I'm joined once again by Alan Reynolds. Alan, thanks for being here yet again. I didn't scare you away the first couple times. Sunny salutations to you, Miles. You did not scare me away. We are in the season of holiday joy. It's hard to be scared, right? (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully, it's hard to be scared. (laughs) So in the season of that, we've already done your fun facts. We'll switch it up since we're in that winter season. What's your favorite winter activity, Alan? What do you do when the snow falls? My favorite winter activity is, has it has to be sledding. There's something so joyful and being outside and freezing your face off, but having a great time, especially with my nephew. I love, love sledding. That's awesome. Sledding kind of terrifies me. I've had some close calls as a kid, so I sort of like steer away from it now, but I'll, I'll have to get back into sledding with my kids. I can't put my own childhood trauma on them, right? That's a whole other podcast right there. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. I thought you were going to say something, you know, especially as you get older. I hear oh, so sledding old guy dangerous okay. on, on older, elder people. <laughs> well, moving on, everyone. Aside from age and poking fun at me, we're here to talk about building training curriculum in the work environment. And we've got Alan here because Alan's unique to marketing and the fact that she's not a traditional marketer. She didn't come up in marketing in her career. She actually has her master's in curriculum development and was a teacher before coming on board to level. So first, let's explore that for a second, Alan. Like, how does a teacher become a marketer? What brought you over to the dark side, as they say? The people. Level really sold me on who they are. Never wanted to get into business. Always said I would never, ever do that. Much like I would never go to Pitt, and I am an alum of Pitt and now work in marketing. So I have since stopped saying never. Um, But (laughs) Patrick Patterson, it's uh, when you work for great people and when it's a cultural fit, it was very hard to say no to working here. And so your role here is is multifaceted. You work with me on the team that I'm on and we have clients that we work for, but also one of our big jobs is training the new people that work at the agency. And so we're highly leveraging your your past life as a teacher and your education and curriculum development to educate others. So I wanna explore that because this topic is very relevant today and will probably be even more relevant tomorrow and as this podcast ages because 2020 forced a lot of companies to go remote and for the first time in a while, most companies, or perhaps ever, most companies, when they hired somebody new, training wasn't just like, hey, sit next to Bob and watch what Bob does and soak it up through osmosis. It was had to be more purposeful than that. And everybody was forced to re-engineer training. And now as we move towards a hybrid work environment where some people work remotely, other people are in an office, there's that consideration of what do we do to train someone in person versus what do we do to train someone remote? How do we make sure the culture you referenced 
stays the same no matter where someone is trained? It's a it's a, it's a big conversation. So I'll ask a question. I'm not just you know soapbox here, but where where is where do you land in that? Right? What are your thoughts on it? How in general do we create successful training programs? Whether or not it's remote or hybrid, let's just start with training itself. Mm-hmm. How do you begin to architect a training program? You have to start with the end in mind. So during my time at UPenn, what was a unique differentiator about Penn was their focus and emphasis on understanding by design. It's a curriculum development framework. And the the key goal here is to understand what you want people to learn and walk away from. And that sounds so simple that it's almost, you know, stupid. Well, you're like, well, well, of course. But oftentimes we get lost in the the grandstanding of, well, here's a training from LinkedIn or here, let's have Miles just talk to this person or, you know, have a have a conversation and they'll impart their wisdom, right? Like we'll, we'll get them in a room together and wisdom will naturally be imparted. And it doesn't work like that. If you don't set very clear end goal results where I want this person to be proficient in this and understand at a deep level, you know, the content and the subject and be able to do it at a high level, then you're going to miss your mark every single time. And if you have success, it's probably going to be one-off and and luck rather than actual precision and using data to drive those decisions. So first step, start with the end. What, What must you walk away from? Yeah, you're right. It's so simple that most people take it for granted and don't do it, right? That's like, they take it for granted because it seems so simple, but oftentimes the simple things are the hardest things to do correctly. And to your point, repeat that success. So that's not a one-off you know, fluke of a training. You can scale as a company because if you can't train new employees, it's hard to grow your business. And then if you can't train new employees, chances are those employees leave. And then you find yourself in this crazy cycle of always training because you can't hold on to people because the training is not good. And so like it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy of of hardship to grow your, to grow your business. So step one is understanding by design, thinking about the end. What do we want this person to know from our training and what does success look like? What do you do once you have that? What's step two? Step two is what are your KPIs? So how are you going to use data to assess whether you're successful or not? For example, let's say that I am trying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back in my English, my English realm. Let's say I'm trying to teach someone how to write a paragraph, right? Very simple. Here's the structure. Here's the flow. And my, one of my data points is going to be that they have written a successful paragraph with four sentences, an intro conclusion, and I will know that they're successful by that. And I'm going to measure it over a certain period of time and pull that da- data in and analyze whether that's successful over a longer period of time. Got it. So we know what we want the end to look like. We know how we measure how we're going to get there. And we know when we've reached the end, then is the third step, like the actual content itself. Like how do we then teach them the things that we're measuring and ultimately learning? Yes. So oftentimes it's in reverse. We start with like, oh, can you spin up a training on briefs? creative briefs for us. And yes, I can do that for sure. But actually the question I always will come back to you with is, well, what do you want the end goal to be, right? 
Like you say, you're saying you want this training, but having a training doesn't necessarily guarantee those results. So yes, I can spin up a training for you, but really what do you want people to walk away knowing, being able to do? And it, oftentimes that gives people pause. So then the content's at the end. It's actually the easiest part of it once you know what you're driving towards. But nailing down sure. what you're driving towards can be challenging. So we've got, you know, what does success look like? How are we going to measure success? And then ultimately, what's the content that we're going to teach to get us to that final step, right? And that's the general architect of, of a good training. How have you had to factor in the remote part of it? Factoring in the remote part of it, the largest component is flexibility. Um, I feel privileged to work at an agency that is very responsive to its employees. And we still have that small company feel where we meet people where they are and there's no one size fits all approach. For example, we have team members that start their day at 6 a.m. on the West Coast. And the training that they might go through in the morning is going to it might be really hard for them to take a deep analytical dive into media training at six in the morning. <laughs> so sure. the biggest component that I, that I have thought about and, and do, which requires a lot of effort and is difficult to automate, but it's why our program is successful and why our company is successful is meeting people where they are and, and adding flexibility in the remote world. So I don't think it's an inherent roadblock. It requires you to be thoughtful in your approach and to, to see the person in front of you, right? Like I see you for who you are, what your strengths are. I'm working with you as a general, as a genuine human. And let's work through this together to learn and grow rather than it being on the person. Like we don't need to, we don't want to put learning on them as like a task or a job. Instead, it's, just, it's a collaborative endeavor between myself, the other training staff, and our new hires to make sure that they feel supported and that it's partnership, right? It's one of our values is that we're, we're endeavoring to learn and grow through this together. I agree. And, you know, what's going through my head right now is you love is also unique in the fact that you said training staff, right? We have, we have people that do this. And I think that's where a lot of companies fall short as well is even if they did everything, they, they knew what they wanted them to learn. They had the KPIs, they create the content to meet both of those. If you have people training who don't have a passion for training and for helping others and just like are patient individuals that can walk someone through things multiple times if they have to, it's, it's going to fall short too, because it might start, but then just fall off because it's not what drives somebody. They don't love it and they'd rather do something else. So then they gravitate away from it or something else. And all that time you invested into creating this stuff ends up being lost, right? So I think that's a big thing too, that it sounds simple, but like to what we said before, but it's so simple that people forget it, right? Once you have all this content, who's administrating this content? People are our most valuable resource. It's not the tools we have. It's not our fancy software. It's none of that. It's it's the people we have. It's such an arduous process to hire someone. It's expensive for companies to find and retain quality talent. So when you get that, you better do your damnedest to hold on to that, to both train them well, make them feel successful and part of the culture, and then to continue employee happiness. So part of the other hat that I've transitioned to owning is developing an ongoing training resource for the agency. So where it's not just training new hires, 
but thinking about how do we do professional development on an ongoing basis. We have our centers of excellence and that's wonderful, but being able to expand and offer specific trainings where if I know I'm weak in a certain skill or I've gotten a performance review where that's been identified and I want to improve on that, here's a repository where I can go and work with the learning coach to train and get better on that, you know, and to drive initiative. That's been something that I've branched into and I'm trying to grow here at level. So not only attracting great talent and training them well, but then continuing to train them and, and value our most precious resource, which is people. Yeah. And training is really a tool. You mentioned like the technology and people are greatest resource, right? And again, that's a simple thing to say. And it's, it's such a common like buzzword phrase that I think in some ways it's lost its meaning. Like people are like, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. But then, okay, if, if that is true, let's look at what we're doing about that. And I think, you know, you and I had a conversation just earlier this morning about just a management philosophy in general that it's coming to mind for me again. The way I was taught as I've grown through my career is when you're working with people, it's like the three finger rule is, you know, set the expectation, give them the tools, and then you can hold them accountable. Oftentimes people jump to holding them accountable without setting a proper expectation or giving them the tools or they're really great at setting an expectation, but then the tools aren't there. And it's just, if you don't have all three, it doesn't quite work. And I think when we, people think tools, they often think the computer and an office and internet and you know all this stuff. And like, yeah, they've got all the tools to do their job, but knowledge is the greatest tool. And so training helps facilitate that knowledge. And so I think that's important. As people are listening to this, our audiences, the C-level folks and business owners might be thinking, what does training have to do with marketing or any of this kind of stuff. But if your marketing is not working, if your business is lagging behind in growth and you're thinking to yourself, why does this keep happening? How do I break this cycle? I think if folks are honest with themselves and they pulled back, they're probably missing a part of those three things I rattled off. And a big part of that is most likely the quality of the training and the resources put behind the implementation and consistency of that training, which is everything you just talked about. A thousand percent. I mean... And I also want to say, people are listening to this wondering, I came here for marketing stuff, Miles and Alan. Like, what are you guys doing Mm -hmm. talking about training? This isn't an HR podcast, right? I think what's cool. Don't get me started. I'm ready. Uh oh. Here we go. I think what's cool about this is now that we've started down this road for level, certain clients have started to take notice of it. And we're starting to enter, enter into conversations with our own clients about, how we can help them do the same thing. So do you want to talk about that? About how once you once you have like the, the framework here, the ease of scaling it for your own organization, or if you think about departments, right? Some people might want to pilot, pilot this in their company in one department. And once they go through that test, learn, grow series in their one department, they could then expand it outwardly. You want to talk about the process there? Sure. Yep. So... We can implement it in a, in a variety of ways, depending on needs. The first is the, the most important, right, is that discovery phase where we really understand what your need is on a true deep level and what you want people to walk away knowing, learning, and being able to do. And from there, we can work with your culture. We can work with HR. We can develop a, a series of interactive, not stale and dry trainings that are measured with data-driven decisions. It's not just... Let's throw some paint and see if it sticks, but let's back it up, right? When we have to answer to CEOs with hard data, it's it, it's a different level of seriousness. 
And so we are working through that with a few clients. And that's exciting to me, again, branching off into working with people. That's where I thrive. That's why I came here. I do want to marinate back, go back, right? Talking about your point on this is a marketing podcast. So what? Yes, we can help your business. We can definitely implement that. But also, we would be doing ourselves as humans and ourselves as marketers and client partners, we'd be doing a great disservice if we only focused on marketing. And I mean that in the sense that I recently read this book, Range, by David Epstein, and it talks about specialists versus generalists and people who are willing to do tasks that maybe aren't in their role or in their definition versus people who are highly specialized, only focus on a single, you know, single realm of, of work. And that's for, for a long time, we've prioritized these specialists, right? Like, oh, you're a specialist in your role. Like, that's terrific. Wonderful. And kind of ignored the generalists as like, oh, they do a lot of things, but maybe none of them very well. And actually, what we need to be doing is praising these range of experiences people have and seeking them out and encouraging them and nurturing them in our employees. Because when they're wide ranging with their experiences and their interests and their passions, they bring unique perspectives to problems that otherwise are just a round peg in a square hole. I can see things really differently because I didn't have a background in marketing. My brain doesn't automatically go to KPIs. Um, Oftentimes, Miles and I will have a conversation and I'll back up and be like, wait, for a rational human point of view, like (laughs) this doesn't make sense at all. I know the numbers might be leading us this way, but why would anyone in their right mind do X? So being able to encourage that and, and foster that in a culture and in training where it's not just driving, driving to a point, to an ROI, to a playbook, to a whatever, but fostering the sense of growth and testing in all areas of who you are professionally, personally is critical. It's truly critical. So box over. Yeah. I'll do everything you just said. And I also think the whole UBD framework, the understanding by design framework we started here with has true applications to marketing because what is marketing if it's not training our customer, right? So if we think about how we even put a campaign together, what do I want my customer to do? Do I want them to buy something? Do I want them to download something, right? That's the end in mind. How am I going to measure success of this campaign? What are those KPIs? Okay, great. Now that I know those two things, I can build something to get me there. It's the same framework, whether we're talking about building a training for how someone does their job, or we're talking about building a campaign for how we guide our customer through a process, or we talk about how we want to get a prospect to, to buy something on a sales team, or we're putting a report together to you know, persuade someone on a decision. Like it really is, it's a way of thinking and a mindset that can be applied to way more than just training a skill. It's really training like to train and like to be successful and like all that stuff. So that's why we're talking about it, folks. It does apply to marketing. It applies to HR. It applies to anything if you really think about it. And once you have that framework and that skill set, you can you can multiply it out and we can help you do it, which is what's fun too, that when people come to us as a marketing partner, you know, geez, whole other podcast could be, let's define marketing, Alan, right? Like uh, that could take on so many different forms and there's marketing externally as well as marketing to your own employees, which training falls into. So, so many applications. I'll force us to stop here. Otherwise I'll keep going and you'll keep going, but this is fun. 
I get excited about this stuff. That's why we, I think we work so well together is we both kind of geek out about the human side of the business. So I appreciate you sharing your brain. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information on what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test, learn, and grow.